The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. of the Ascended Masters have been called the path above the path. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door, Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. Well, hello, everyone. Um, if you're new to our show, uh, welcome. If you've been with us before, welcome back. This is The Open Door, which is the Internet radio voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Ross Brunson. Today's focus, how do we get there? Now, so far, over the last several weeks, we've discussed who we are, why we're here, and where we're going. And by the way, don't be concerned about missing anything, because we will be revisiting these questions again in greater detail in coming weeks. Today, however, we finish up with the last of the four general questions we set out to explore, which is, how do we get there? Yeah, right. And as we've said before, there is home to the heart of God which um, you can imagine would be probably the most memorable road trip uh, we've taken. Um, in fact, you know, we've all taken road trips to uh, different places, new places, and every trip we take is made a lot easier if we have a reliable road map. Right. And uh, we could try to find our way blindly and hope to arrive by accident, you know, a typical guy thing. And not um, ask for directions. And not ask for directions. That's right. Uh, but as we've said before, when you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. You know, we arrived in this life... And in each of our previous lives, you know, we believe in reincarnation, for that matter, and with a personal mission to fulfill. This is your divine blueprint. This is the, what's stamped upon you when you were created. We came to complete this blueprint of this divine plan, which is why we also arrived with a simple caution, some assembly required, which <laughs> can strike fear in the hearts of all fathers on Christmas Day, which is coming up. So again, this makes it really essential for us to have a good set of directions that are handy to us, they're understandable, and that helps us to make sure that what we build is built properly, and it's built well. Right, and it's a very practical point of view. You know, every builder needs good tools, and we'll look at a few of these tools today, and we'll certainly explore more of them in upcoming programs. That's right. You know, along with good tools, every builder also needs good friends that they can turn to when the building process gets difficult. Yeah, and no, no surprise, we're talking about the Ascended Masters. Um, these are our friends in high places, and they're devoted to our progress and our salvation. And they've given us practical tools for helping us make the most of our time, energy, and commitment so that we can successfully complete our spiritual road trip home to the heart of God. That's right. When the, when the masters know by our actions and our heart's intentions that we're truly serious about coming up higher, they've told us that they will be there for us. Yeah, now, and what about these practical tools? You want to consider decrees first? In this case, 
a decree essentially um, corresponds to what you've read in the Bible. The call compels the answer. And a decree is a form of a vocalized prayer that you say out loud that utilizes the power of the spoken word to literally command God. Yeah, command God. <laughs> he has told us, command ye me. And uh, I believe, and I know you do too, Ross, that we can take God at his word. Uh, we each have the power to command in God's name. And as he said, the call compels the answer. Mm -hmm. The command that is made fervently from the heart with pure intention for the good of all and conforming to, uh, to God's divine will is always answered. Now, you know, perhaps not as we might envision, but the call is answered for the best and highest good. That's right. And, you know, we're creating all the time. Remember last week when we spoke about the power that each one of us has to be a co-creator with God? Oh, yeah. You know, our every thought, our word, our deed has the power to create. And we're creating all the time. Uh, exactly. And uh, decrees are an especially powerful way to shape our creations to the highest good for ourselves, for others, and for our planet. Can we command God? Listen. We've been talking about the uses of energy, and you've been instructing us on a number of techniques. It's such a fascinating subject. Let's just go a little further into it. Well, my first advice to someone who would begin to use God's energy in a scientific way is that you need to establish a force field a force field of protection around your aura and around your chakras because you are now qualifying the energy of life within you in a different manner than the way in which it is being qualified by most of the people on earth today. In addition, our bodies and our minds are constantly subject to all types of energies. Energies from earth, radio waves, television waves, and rays from the sun, in addition, we are all influenced by the mass consciousness, by thoughts and feelings of people near and far. And we have to realize that through the media, through everything that we have eye contact with, from the daily newspapers to the billboards, there is an impression made upon consciousness, and this too is the qualification of energy. If we then are going to take dominion within the microcosm of the self, we need to establish a force field that is going to protect the new consciousness, the cosmic consciousness that we are in pursuit of and that we desire to experience every day. And so there is an energy of white light that we can draw forth from the I am that I am within us, from this great I am presence. This white light of energy is called the tube of light. And it's very easy to visualize this tube of light because you can just see yourself standing in a giant milk bottle, a glass kind of milk bottle, filled with milk, and it is that sense of the white light. And the top of the milk bottle, narrowing, is going toward the source of this energy, which is the I Am Presence, and the energy comes into that giant milk bottle over the crystal cord. It's like seeing a straw coming out of the milk bottle going straight up to an energy field that is a very high concentration of light that we call the I Am Presence. So the invocation of the tube of light is a way of setting your force field for meditation, for the science of the spoken word, or for just one's daily activities. In those heart, head, and hand decrees by El Moria, he includes, as the next decree, the tube of light. I would like to give it now so that people can get used to hearing what it sounds like to actually vocalize one's mantras and one's meditations. Beloved, I am presence bright, 
Round me seal your tube of light, from ascended master flame, call forth now in God's own name. Let it keep my temple free from all discord sent to me. I am calling forth violet fire to blaze and transmute all desire, keeping on in freedom's name till I am one with a violet flame. Now as I'm giving this invocation or this mantra to God, the I am presence, I am visualizing myself standing inside this giant tube of light, this giant milk bottle, and around me, within it, is the energy of the violet flame saturating my form, going through my body, blazing through the skin, through the arteries, the veins, through the arms, the legs, the extremities, and I am feeling, in addition to seeing, a saturation of my being with the energy of the Holy Spirit. Giving this mantra, I am concentrating on this vision of the self, and that which I see, the energy which I invoke, will become. The energy of God will actually coalesce around your visualization. In addition, it will manifest according to the direction of your inner self, your real self, who is always the director of the mantra and the meditation. So I'll give it once again. Beloved, I am presence bright. Round me seal your tube of light. From ascended master flame, call forth now in God's own name. Let it keep my temple free from all discord sent to me. I am calling forth violet fire to blaze and transmute all desire, keeping on in freedom's name till I am one with a violet flame. You'll notice in the giving of this mantra that there is a certain commanding presence, a certain authority which we use in dealing with God's energy. This is what makes the mantra different from a prayer of supplication, which is the talk with God, the conversation, the communion with God, the request. This mantra is rather a decree of the alchemist, the one that we call the artisan in the temple, the one who is working out the alchemy or the problem of being, the equation of being within the self. He sees that the energy of God within himself is his to command, and therefore he commands this energy to coalesce in a force field that has been predetermined, that has been ordained by God as a force field of protection, and which he is then visualizing and bringing into manifestation by his attunement with the inner self, by his oneness with the I Am Presence. In other words, you're saying that people have the right to order God? People have the right to use God's energy in God's name. When God created male and female, it is recorded in the book of Genesis, he said, take dominion over the earth. God gave to us the command, and our answer is to command the energies of earth to come into alignment. Now, the command of energy is building an airplane, a ship, or advancing technology, or splitting the atom, or planting a garden. We are taking dominion over the earth each time we take on a project that is for the general welfare, for the common weal, for the blessing of the race. This is commanding God, but it sounds like blasphemy because we have not thought in terms of God being energy. But all of life is God, and this is not pantheism. This is the awareness of the omnipresence of love. So we're taking a shortcut. Instead of 
spending a great deal of time building our project and so forth, we're going directly to the source. We go to the source, we predetermine what it is we desire to accomplish, we call forth the energy, and we seal it in a pattern or a matrix that has been already designed by God and that by our free will we are confirming or ratifying. The violet flame is an exceedingly powerful tool. This is a tremendous gift from God and the Masters that, when used properly, literally accelerates the transmutation of our negative karma. You know, and that's not all, Ross. Um, the violet flame has the power to heal on the physical, emotional, and spiritual levels. Um, all negative patterns of behavior can be both reversed and removed from our consciousness. The violet flame is forgiveness. Whatever we may be troubled by, we can cast it into the violet flame and have our burdens taken from us. And the violet flame conforms precisely to cosmic law. Which means that when used pro properly, the action of the violet flame works every time. Now, when we come back, um, we'll hear more about the violet flame from Elizabeth Clare Prophet. And in the meantime here, we have a brief moment. I wanted to make this announcement um, you are invited to sign up for our free digital newsletter, TSL Now. This is delivered to thousands of inboxes every other week and includes great articles in the spiritual path, timely news about upcoming conferences, webinars, classes, and new product releases from the Summit Lighthouse, plus connections to our YouTube channel, podcasts, all of our social media connections, and plenty more. To sign up, simply go to www.tsl.org and click on the Sign Up Today button. And while you're at it, sign up to receive weekly online pearls of wisdom. The newsletter and the online pearls of wisdom are both free. So sign up today. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? You are a child of God. And as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? Master yourself in order to graduate from Earth Schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it Nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Be extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Welcome back. In our last segment, we introduced the concept of the violet flame, the flame of transmutation, healing, and forgiveness. Here now is Elizabeth Clare Prophet to shed some additional light on the subject. We've talked thus far a great deal about the evolving soul and what it is that the soul is destined for in terms of the Christ. But I think the question that's really important is how? How does the soul become the Christ? People have tried to get to God by many means. They have followed the path of yoga. They have followed the path of asceticism. And we hear the question, canst thou by searching find out God? We find that we really do not have the faculties to experience God within our limited consciousness. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The term kingdom uh, means consciousness when we read it esoterically in the Bible. So we have to find a point within ourselves which becomes that point of contact with the real. In other words, if God had not placed a portion of himself, a portion of the word with us to incarnate with us, we would not have an opening to find him. The opening then always begins with the flame of the spirit that is in our heart. We cannot find God by the intellect. We cannot find God by the emotions. We cannot find God by physical austerities, nor can we find him through the subconscious plane. Having exhausted these possibilities, we have to find God through God. Well, what is the essential nature of God? Moses said to the children of Israel, that which is recorded in the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord thy God is a consuming fire. We hear the reference to God as a fire throughout the Old and New Testament. John the Baptist said, One cometh after me whose shoes I am not worthy to unlatch. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. It is this baptism of the sacred fire that we seek. And we begin seeking it always in the within. When we meditate upon the sacred fire in the heart, we soon discover that this pulsating light which comes clearly to our consciousness accelerates to a vibration which reads as the color violet. Hence the term the violet flame. The violet flame has been seen by seers, by mystics, and by saints. It is the flame of the Holy Spirit and it is also the flame that is revealed in the Aquarian Age. It is the seventh ray aspect of the Holy Spirit. The time for mankind's realization has come, and the Ascended Master Saint Germain is the one who sponsors the release of this flame. How does the soul get to God? The soul gets to God by the invocation of this flame, by meditation upon the flame, by bathing his consciousness in the flame, until 
he experiences that transmutation, that change of his energy and his consciousness that was always promised by the Hebrew prophets. The promise of forgiveness, the promise of making the sins white as wool, though they be as scarlet. The promise of the forgiveness of the Holy Spirit is our only way out of the level of non-alignment which the Buddha referred to as dukkha or suffering. He taught us that all life is suffering. In other words, when we are out of alignment with the inner law of being, we suffer. That suffering is our sense of sin. We get back to that alignment by the power of God to erase sin. Whence comes this power? The Hindus call the Holy Spirit the destroyer, Shiva, the one who breaks down the misqualified energies or the misuses of life, which we have brought forth by our misuse of free will. For example, hatred is a misuse of free will. We have free will to qualify God's energy as love or as hatred. If we have qualified it as hatred, that energy rests with us. It remains with us as part of our consciousness until we transmute it by love. The power of the Holy Spirit to transmute hatred into love manifests to us by this dispensation of the violet flame. How do we invoke the violet flame? Well, we can give a simple mantra where we affirm the name of God, I am, and then declare that that I am is the violet flame right where we are. This is a mantra that I like to give to increase the manifestation of the violet flame in my aura. I am a being of violet fire. I am the purity God desires. I am a being of violet fire. I am the purity God desires. I am a being of violet fire. I am the purity God desires. I am a being of violet fire. I am the purity God desires. This little mantra becomes a meditation and a visualization that is anchored in the physical temple by the spoken word. Giving the word to our thoughts and our feelings through the throat chakra is the means whereby we gain a new dimension from our prayers, from our mental affirmations, because the throat chakra specifically applies to the bringing into the physical form of that which is in the mind and that which is in the heart. This is why when people begin to give these mantras, they experience an immediate acceleration of consciousness. The violet flame, then, is the first step on the path of initiation with the Ascended Masters, the first step of the point of the return of the soul to the spirit or to the I Am Presence. It is interesting to note that the first miracle which Jesus wrought in Cana of Galilee was at the wedding, the marriage feast. He turned the water into wine. This symbolizes the turning of the water of the human consciousness into the wine of the spirit. Interestingly, wine itself is a purple color or a violet color. And this gives the clue to those who are the mystics that Jesus was using this seventh ray aspect of the Holy Spirit. When Shakespeare wrote, the quality of mercy is not strained, it droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. 
It is twice blessed it blesseth him that gives and him that takes. He was putting in the mouth of Portia a key to the alchemy of this seventh age. The quality of mercy and the quality of forgiveness is the very power of alchemy that is in the violet flame. Mercy, then, is like a cosmic eraser. When we invoke the flame of mercy as the Holy Spirit, it actually erases the effects, the memory, and the cause of sin in our lives. To the Easterner, this would be the balancing of karma. The balancing of karma. Now, what is karma? Karma is simply cause-effect sequences that we have set up by free will. Jesus stated it, As a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If the violet flame is such a crucial part of the mystic's tradition and experience, why haven't we heard about it before? It seems to me that the Bible makes no reference to it, nor do any other scriptures that I'm familiar with, at least not directly. We remember the words, it is not lawful for a man to utter. Mm -hmm. Those words indicate that over the centuries, Jesus Christ, Gautama Buddha, and many spiritual teachers have taken certain disciples who were qualified aside to teach them the inner mysteries. Up until this century, it was not lawful for those disciples to utter their understanding of the violet flame because the use of the violet flame in general, in the open, on earth, was not allowed, and this is because of mankind's misuse of the law of forgiveness. To go and to petition God for forgiveness and to go out and repeat the same sin shows that mankind is still a child and not mature enough to understand that the energy of God is precious and that if God gives his forgiveness, we must go and sin no more. What's changed in the last hundred years? Well, every hundred years, the Lord God increases his consciousness his cosmos within us and within the evolutions of Earth. We see progress in the field of science, in civilization, in the social order. We are finding that there is also progress in religion, and therefore we believe in progressive revelation because our God is a God who is continually transcending himself. This is the nature of a transcendent God. His law remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. But our awareness of God constantly transcends itself. And this is why we need to keep an open heart for God to speak to us. And so in this age, as we enter the age of Aquarius, the dispensation is this gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll notice that this has its pattern in the world's religion. Never has there been such a surge of devotion to the Holy Spirit as there has been in this century. Even in the last 2,000 years, it is because the Holy Spirit is the sacred fire action that culminates in the individual revelation of the violet flame. It is time for the Holy Spirit. It is time for the Comforter. It's time for the violet flame. You're saying then the violet flame is the key to the unfolding of the new age? The violet flame is actually the flame of freedom. And unless mankind make use of this flame, they will find themselves so burdened by their own momentum of sin that they will see that mental disease, emotional disease, and physical disease will increase. As we find the fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy from the 24th chapter of, of Matthew of that which will occur in the end of the age, 
The end of the age he was speaking of was the age of Pisces, the 2,000-year period of his dispensation. We are in the final hours of that age, and we see how wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and famine are upon the earth. It is the violet flame when invoked by Christians, Jews, Mohammedans, will result in the balancing of those energies so that we will not have to pass through a period of intense cataclysm, but so that we can make the transition into the new dispensation without actually the loss of life and limb as, as the price. To what extent would the violet flame uh, have to be invoked before it could actually influence what's happening in one's life or what's happening in one's world? Beloved El Moria, who, as I mentioned, was St. Thomas More, gave to us the heart, head, and hand decrees for the invocation of the violet flame. These decrees take only ten minutes a day to give. They are mantras, they are fiats, they are meditations. All an individual has to do is to begin to decree just ten minutes a day, and he will realize the transformation of his life. So powerful is the Holy Spirit. Ah, so powerful indeed. We'll be sharing a lot more about the violet flame in coming weeks. Now, up next, a young adult spiritual journey, emergency preparedness, tips for family wholeness, and everyday kindness with Terry Kennedy, the world's nicest man. We'll be right back. online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it Nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and The Growth Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time, right here on The Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 
The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. As we've said before, being young and spiritually focused in today's world isn't easy. Here is Christian, who shares a very personal experience about growing up and growing wiser. When I was younger, I did not like the way my father talked or treated my brothers and I, especially the way he treated my mother. We had our good days and bad days, but when it was bad, it really affected me. Since I felt hurt, I wanted to hurt him too in some way. He was always proud of my achievements as a student, so I started paying less attention to my studies and failing my classes during college. It was my way of saying, I don't like the way you treat us. I almost abandoned my studies, and it was then when I realized that there was something wrong. I was only hurting myself. I needed to change. When I almost hit rock bottom, I found so many books about practical spirituality that opened not only my eyes and my mind, but also my heart. I learned three practical spiritual lessons that helped me with my father. The first one was learning the deeper meaning of cause and effect. Until then, I thought that it was some kind of physics law where if you pushed an object, it would move. I learned that every problem and even people's behavior have a root cause. It helped me understand that my dad's behavior was simply the result of past experiences, and since mine was too, I could change it. If you know the cause that moves the object, you can stop it. The second lesson I learned was that in order to have a true relationship with your Heavenly Father, one must have first a loving relationship with one's earthly father. But the third lesson I learned was the one that encouraged me to take the step that changed my life. I learned about fatherhood love. I knew he loved me even if he had never said it to me, because like many parents, he protected me. When I came to the States to finish my degree and lived on my own, I realized that his way of showing his love was that he never let me worry about the simple things we all take for granted, like what am I going to eat tomorrow, or how am I going to pay for all the bills this month. I learned that love is the most powerful force in the universe that no one and nothing can reject, and I realized that if I approached my father with love, he would not be able to reject me. One day coming home for the holidays, I simply walked up to him and looked him in the eye and said, Dad, I love you, to which he responded, I love you too, son. Now what was a rare thing to say has become a way to say goodbye every time we speak over the phone. I'm most grateful with God for helping me along the way, and even more grateful that I was able to do it with his help before it was too late. My father is still alive, and even though he knows it, I'm still happy to say it. I love you, Dad. Wow. You know, as parents, uh, we long for and cherish those special Aha moments, don't we? We do. I was giving a <laughs> webinar the other day, and my wife, I had my daughter type in on the chat, Hi, Dad. <laughs> Made my day. <laughs> you know, and they often catch us by surprise, just like that one did us. Oh, indeed. And, you know, speaking of being surprised, um, you like that segue? I do. Very nice. <laughs> what does it take to be truly prepared for life's surprises? Craig Nicholson, author of the One-Stop Survival Preparedness Guide, talks about the personal items we should all keep handy. Hi everyone, this is Craig Nicholson with more tips for being prepared. This week we are going to start building our home survival kit. It contains first aid supplies, personal items, water, food and equipment. First aid supplies are pretty standard for most people, so let's move on to personal items. Most of these you will already have around the house, but if you have to shelter in place in a sealed off room or in your shelter 
for a few days. You need to have the basics with you in that room. These are things like toothbrush and toothpaste, soap and shampoo, plates, cups, cutlery, a manual can opener, toilet paper, tissues, bedding and clothing, and a good winter sleeping bag for power outs in the winter, and books to read and games to play. You may have a lot of time on your hands. These are just a few ideas. You will find more ideas online. You can adjust this list for your personal needs, but it is a good idea to have extra of some of the consumable items like toothpaste and toilet paper. Things like flashlight and batteries will be covered under survival equipment, which we will cover in a later session. Well, that's all for this week. Until next time, happy prepping. For more on preparedness, survival, and wholesome living, visit Craig's website at www.wholesomebalance.com. Uh, and now let's turn our attention to one of our favorite topics, the family, and how simple things like having meals together can make a huge difference in fostering and maintaining good family values. How many times each week does your family sit down together and share a meal? Regrettably, for many American families, shared mealtime is virtually a thing of the past. In fact, one in four parents reported that their families eat together four or fewer times per week, and one in ten parents admitted that they eat only one or no meals per week with their children. Experts agree that shared mealtimes strengthen families, support child development, and promote parent-child communications. Through shared mealtimes, children feel a sense of belonging and stability. Mealtime conversations connect families and can stimulate in-depth discussions. Adolescents who frequently eat meals with their families are more likely to be highly motivated in school and have better peer relationships. Teenagers who regularly eat with their families are less likely to be depressed or use drugs. There's also a significant health benefit. Families who eat together at the table tend to eat healthier foods, consuming less fat, less sugar, and fewer packaged foods. How about creating a sacred space during dinner? Turn off the television, iPods, cell phones. Let the answering machine pick up messages. After a busy day, create a sacred space where family members can relax and enjoy time together. A place for each family member to de-stress and appreciate being with each other. When you are sitting at a table, note what is above the level of the tabletop, your heart. This makes it easy for everyone to share at the level of the heart. Go around the table and have each family member say what they were grateful for that day and how they helped someone or how they manifested a certain virtue. Try adding humor as that heals and strengthens family ties while helping dissolve the stress of the day. And remember to say grace together before the meal to bless your family, the food, and to thank God for His blessings. And remember, parents make the difference in every family. You know, this is great advice to be sure. And uh, for those of you who didn't grow up with the tradition of eating dinner together, you know, we can make our own traditions. So start now and form that habit in your children. It'll definitely pay off in the future. So always being kind is good advice, too. And we may never know who we touch with our kindness. Here's Terry Kennedy, the world's nicest man, with a few words about the power of simple kindness. Hi, this is Terry Kennedy, and this is my kind thought for the day. This is all about saying, God bless you to someone. In English-speaking countries, when someone sneezes, people typically say, Gesundheit, which is German for health. 
Other common responses to a sneeze are, bless you or God bless you. The reason we do this, as I understand, is that during a sneeze, your heart supposedly stops. So I think we say these phrases to make sure that God blesses us and keeps our heart pumping right on rhythm. I remember that when I was younger, it was easier to say Gesundheit than it was to say God bless you. And I never used to say God bless you to people at any time other than when they sneezed. So I'll never forget the first time someone said God bless you to me as we were parting company, and I remember saying to myself, he says that with such ease. Why is it that I can't say that as easily as he does? So it was at that time that I consciously decided that I was going to train myself to say those three little words with ease so that they could just pop right out of me at any time I chose. From a spiritual perspective, I eventually learned that it was probably just my old human consciousness that was a little uncomfortable with me sending God's blessings out into the world just willy-nilly as I was so inspired to do. Well, I was determined that I was going to have no more of that. So I started practicing it, and eventually, over the years, I have gotten quite comfortable with the phrase. If any of you out there are uncomfortable saying those three little words, but would like to be able to say them with ease, I encourage you to do just as I did and start practicing. Before you know it, you will be blessing people with that short little fiat, and the world will be a better place. Plus, you will probably be inspiring others to try it. Give it a whirl, and remember, it doesn't take much to be kind, and kindness really feels good. We're back, and joining us once again is Reverend Sidney Bennett to answer your questions. Not yet? I don't think Sydney's online just yet. I no? think. Uh, All right, let's check it out. Yeah. Hello? Sydney, are you there? There I he am. is. All right. Oh, good. Hi, Sydney. This Great. is Tom here and Ross. And we want to thank Terry for his simple and sage advice. Absolutely. And uh, what we'd like to do is take a, a quick little break and come back. Yep. And we'll have Sydney. We'll, yeah, so Sydney, please hang on. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth's schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it Nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. 
Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. We're back, and joining us now for real is Reverend Sidney Bennett to answer your questions. How are you, Sidney? Very good. Thank you. Good. Uh, Sidney, here's a, um, a compound question. Would you please expand on the nature of decrees, how they work, and would you share the basic components of a proper decree? And uh, Why don't we start with expanding on the nature of decrees? Well, decrees are fascinating things. I mean, in a sense, we're decreeing all the time. When we get up in the morning, we decree we're going to get up and go to work or go to school or whatever we're doing by our actions. But what we're talking about specifically in decrees here is the science of the spoken word. It's light that goes forth from us through our throat chakra, and chakras being a center of light. We have seven of them throughout our body, primary ones. And the throat chakra is a very powerful one. If someone is yelling at you or being very kind to you in their words, you know instantly what they're communicating. In fact, the words aren't even important. It's the vibration of the sound that is being conveyed to you. Well, God has given us the opportunity to pray in a very special and unique way. And this is through a decree, which essentially is a scientific formula for drawing down the light of God and directing it into a very specific situation. Now, of course, what's most important is the love that you infuse it with, and your concern in the light that you bring forth. And for those of you that have seen the chart of the I Am Presence, which is, uh, if you haven't seen it, it's on tsl.org, which has a symbolic representation of light coming down to our physical form from our I Am Presence or from God. And that light comes down into our heart and then goes up, and we can use it in whatever we do. So we live, breathe, and everything we, we do um, in our lives 
is based on this light that we draw forth and able to put forth. And you know when you say a kind word, it has a powerful effect. And so we do prayers as well to invoke the presence of God. But decrees take the, very, uh, the, very, the understanding that as this light comes forth, we can channel it through our throat chakra, as I said, into very specific things. Um, and a decree is, essentially has three components. It has a salutation where you greet God and ask God to act through you. In other words, this isn't your human consciousness. This isn't, you know, uh, repeating things and bringing them into the world. It's invoking God and the light of God into a specific situation. So you salute God, you invoke his presence through Jesus, through a master, through the archangels, through your own God presence, and then you decree what you might want or what you're desiring. For instance, if you're praying for peace uh, between North and South Korea, that there be no war, you can make a very specific call to prevent war there and protection of the people in these countries, and then you ask Archangel Michael or whatever decree that you're using, and I might add there's hundreds of different decrees for specific situations, to go forth and act on that. And you always mm-hmm. adjust it according to God's will, and then you close it. Mm-hmm. You know, Sid, I, I think all of us uh, can understand what it's like to be a parent or be around a child, and one of the things that you have to do is you have to change what you say. And so I've changed a lot of my things to gracious and goodness and God help us and things like that. So we know we know that we know that that's how they learn. And but we also know that we're used to giving prayers vocally. So can a successful decree be a silent one? And how how does that work? I mean, we we hear the power of the spoken word. What if it's the unspoken word? Sure. Well, of course, a a, and a, a silent prayer has power too, and a silent decree. I mean, sometimes you're in a situation where you can't say them out loud um, in respect to other people, and so you can definitely give them quietly. If you're in an airplane or traveling in a car or a bus or so forth, you can say them in your heart, and of course that has power too because you're charging them with light and love. But certainly when you have the opportunity, the spoken word is more powerful. And what's interesting about this is we make karma 24 hours a day. In other words, we're doing something, even if it's sleeping, um, but we're doing something 24 hours a day, and so we're making karma either positive or negative or perhaps neutral in some ways. But when you qualify energy with light through the decree, through the science of the spoken word, you are making very positive karma for yourself, but most importantly, you can make it for the world. And, you know, I used to be so frustrated growing up and thinking, what can I do? I'm just one person. How can I affect things halfway around the world? Well, the answer is, and the amazing truth is, that through the use of the science of the spoken word, and using these um, matrices of coded words and light to draw forth these things, you can affect things on the other side of the world in a positive way, and much more powerfully than you as an individual can things do that things in the physical. So you can make a difference on the planet, and the way you can make a difference in the most powerful way is through the use of the science of the spoken word. You know, it reminds me of you know the Buddhists and the Tibetans. If you've ever heard their chants, they repeat these mantras over and over again. And you think, well, why in the world would they do that? Because every time they repeat it, they draw down another increment of light. And the more light you draw down, the more positive are the things that can happen. So there's many ways to do that, but the decree or the mantra um, to God is certainly the most powerful. You know, Sid, you just made a, a point that I think a lot of people have a question about, and that is how many times we do a decree or we do an invocation or whatever. Um, I, I jokingly, I, I heard something years ago that said that the first time is for God because he gets it right away. The rest of them is for us because we need convincing. <laughs> Can you give us a little more about that? Well, you know, there's a, there's a quote in the Bible where it says about vain repetition and not to recite your prayers in vain repetition. And, and of course, that's absolutely true. Just the repeating of words have no power, and especially 
if they're not imbued with love and with feeling and with devotion to God. And I think that's the difference. And so why do we decree more than once? Again, is to draw down additional light. Light is the alchemical key. And there's a quantity of light that must be needed sometimes for healing, for abundance, for protection, whatever it is. Because on this plane of matter, God has given us our free will. He doesn't always help us or send his angels to help us unless we ask for it. And so the repetition of that then gives this energy back to God that the master or the angels can use to help you or other people on this planet. Um, Sydney, this is Tom here. Uh, do we have any evidence that Jesus used decrees during his Galilean ministry? Well, I think we definitely have some evidence in the Bible. You know, unfortunately, much of Jesus' teaching was lost um, over the centuries and, and been excluded from, from the traditional Gospels. But certainly we have examples. For us, when Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light, I am referring, yes, to Jesus as an individual because he had realized his Christhood and his God potential. But when we say I am, it's God in me. So we're saying God in me is the way, the truth, and the light. And so Jesus has many affirmations um, that we can give if you pick them out uh, of the New Testament. And there's another example of spoken words, which I think is even more amazing, and that's when he called forth Lazarus. He didn't get on his knees and say a quiet prayer, said, Dear God, please have Lazarus come forth. He shouted it, because the shout or the fiat had tremendous power. It had enough power to draw Lazarus' soul back to his body and to resurrect his physical form. Lazarus, come forth. And for those that were there and can hear it, you can imagine the power that that call had. Another example I like from the Bible is um, at the Battle of Jericho. You might remember that Joshua and the Israelites marched around the walls of the city seven times, and they gave specific shouts. And that's an example of the use of the spoken word. And what happened? The walls came tumbling down. That's how powerful the spoken word is. So we know that it's powerful, Sydney. So we also know that a lot of us, when we travel, we make our calls, we're in our hotel rooms or whatever. But we... I've all probably experienced walking in when people are doing decrees together, and there's a different energy, and it seems to be stronger. What is it that makes it that way? Well, let me give an example. If one person sits in a stadium that holds 50,000 people and applauds, you know, how loud is it? <laughs> but when you get 50,000 people in there applauding or shouting or whatever they do, do you know how powerful that energy is? So right there, there's a multiplication factor by the number of people and the amount of energy that's coming forth. Because, again, we're looking at the amount of light drawn forth as being really key to obtaining the result from these decrees. So, first of all, there's just the power of, of the many people. But secondly, there have been spiritual dispensations given that multiply these calls. And at the very least, it's the power of the square. So if one person decrees, it's equal to one. But if two decree, it's equal to four. Three equal to nine, and so forth. And there's even other dispensations that make these decrees so powerful that when you, even as an individual, give them, you can affect 100 million people in a positive way. And I know that sounds incredible, but it's because of the light of God and because of this great dispensation of the spoken word that we're able to do these things. It's, a, it's been an inner mystery, a secret mystery for many, many centuries. And now in the last hundred years, it has come forth because God knows we need this. We need it to get through the Battle of Armageddon and the forces that are on this planet right now. How in the world are we ever going to solve the problem of the economy? Well, yes, there's things you do on the outer, but we need more light into the economy to bring it into balance. And that's just one of the things you can do with the science of the spoken word. Great advice. 
Um, Sydney, while we have about a minute left here, I wanted to ask you to, if you wouldn't mind, expand a little bit more about the use of the violet flame, um, particularly any um, common situations, day-to-day -day situations where it might be useful. Uh, and then we'll uh, go out and we'll, we'll re return to this subject many times in the future. Sure. So uh, just a little well, bit on this. Well, the violet flame is an incredible dispensation that, again, has been released in the last century by St. Germain. And the violet flame is called by some the greatest gift to the planet in this hour because the violet flame can change the world. It can change us personally. It can change the world. And we've talked previously about the karma returning upon the earth right now for the past 25,000 years, which is a cosmic cycle, and how that can be repolarized and changed and mitigated, as Mrs. Prophet, I think, mentioned today in her talk, so that the karma returning isn't as severe as it might have been. And this is mm -hmm. true on a personal level and on a planetary level. Great. Thank you, Sydney. Well, that's all the time we have. Thanks, Reverend Bennett. If you've got any questions or comments about the spiritual journey, please send them to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. And in the meantime, remember that though the upward path may be difficult, the rewards are out of this world. Thank you again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.